0: My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 102. Hey, folks, this is Lenny Lawson, the Car Guru, and I am not excited about what I have to do today because after this radio show, I have to go to the airport, get on an airplane, and fly to Las Vegas where I hear it's been raining, but I'm fixing to find out. I checked with Nissan to see what their plans were, see if there were any changes as far as their big dealer meeting. And they said, nope, come on out. So my nephew and I, Max Lawson III, are going to Las Vegas. We're going to learn about their product plans and uh, whatever else they want to tell us. They make us fly all the way out there. Not cheap to fly to Las Vegas. Used to be a lot cheaper. And the hotels are not cheap either. We're staying at the Wynn. W-Y-N-N. I've stayed there before. Pretty nice place. Beautiful golf course right behind it. Uh, One good thing is that the weather is supposed to be moderate with highs in the mid-80s for today, tomorrow, and then I think on Thursday it gets back in the low 100s. But I won't be there. I'll be back in Tennessee. Okay, let's look and see what's going on. I've got my news feed here from the National Auto Dealers Association. Got some headline stories here I thought were worth talking about, I guess. Car prices might be unsustainable for buyers. That's the headline. For the average American paying off a new car at price, let's see, at current prices demands 42 weeks of income, according to the data from Cox Automotive. They are a research firm. Uh, Anyway, that's up from around 33 before the pandemic. Bargains have been hard to come by on the used car lot as well, where the average vehicle listed for about $27,000, that's up more than 30% from pre-pandemic levels, according to Cox's data. Higher interest rates have made the situation more difficult for buyers, duh. Duh. Uh, today's average new car loan has a monthly payment north of, get this, seven hundred and fifty dollars a month, with an interest rate of nine and a half. For used cars, the average rate is above thirteen point seven. That's not really what it is around here though. I mean, it may be that in California and New York and different places, but rates are a little bit lower here. You know, the credit unions do offer better rates, but you know, they're that's still they're still pretty bad compared to where they were. And then you have high car prices, which are true. But the offset of that, I guess, is the fact that your trade-in, your vehicle in your carport or garage or sitting out next to the street, is worth about 30% more than it was if you owned it, you know, pre-pandemic, than it was back then. So you've had some considerable appreciation. Wouldn't have been great if your 401k had gone up that much. Maybe yours did. Mine didn't. So let's see what else. Oh, Stellantis. Remember that's Chrysler. That's the name they came up with. I still can't believe it. Um, the, anyway, they've discussed moving their pickup truck production from the U.S. to Mexico. Now, who would they be telling that to? That's right, the unions that are getting ready to or threatening to strike uh, Chrysler and the big the big three in general. Which do you remember what the big three are? General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis? I liked it better when it was Chrysler. But anyway, uh, they're threatening to move Ram 1500 pickup trucks or production uh, from Detroit to Mexico. Uh, Union Auto Workers Vice President Rich Boyer, who heads up the union's Stellantis unit, said the automaker has discussed the move during ongoing contract negotiations. that's That's a threat. Could they do it? Yes, they could. Uh, Why does it cost less to produce vehicles in Mexico than it does in in the United States? You don't have to pay the workers as much. Apparently, the cost of living down there or the standard of living or whatever is not as high as it is here. All of the automakers have a considerable amount of production in Mexico for that very reason. And it just makes it easier, you know, to make money when you don't want the labor content isn't as much as it is in the United States. Uh, They're wanting a 40% pay raise at the UAW from all three of the makers. And that's not going to happen because cars are as expensive or they are expensive enough. That's for sure. General Motors is working to increase production of EVs. This is actually in the news as if it hasn't been in the news. General Motors is wanting to increase production of the Chevy Equinox electric version and the uh, Cadillac Escalade electric version. The Escalade costs four times as much as the Equinox, which is already pretty expensive. But when you're talking about EVs, you know, you're talking about a market that is just not there yet. They keep wanting to, uh, like Ford, for example, building this Blue Oval City out in western Stanton, Tennessee, I think. Ford intends to build a million uh, lightning pickup trucks and and a new truck, a new electric truck that's getting ready to come out, probably based on the Ranger platform in one way or another, or Ranger size, a midsize truck. And other vehicles, I just don't know who's going to buy them. I mean, we don't see a lot of interest in this market area. We're in uh, Upper East Tennessee, but in the Southeast in general, unless you're in a big city, there's just not that many people who want to buy electric vehicles. As I've said too many times, it's the first time that I ever remember that the decision to not buy a vehicle was based on politics because a lot of people are just put out with the idea that they're being forced by the liberal side of the equation to, you know, buy an EV because it doesn't pollute as much without considering all the other issues that are involved with that so anyway I, as i say i love the way they drive they're great i've got the uh, former mayor of our town driving one right now he's not buying it he's waiting on another vehicle that he has ordered with a gas engine but he loves it he said lindy this thing is unbelievable i absolutely love it everywhere i go people ask me questions want to talk about it. i says anybody want to buy it he said well no um not yet not many takers on buying it. See, that's what we're running into. And I understand it. You know, if, like I say, if, if you live in the area and you don't travel a whole lot, electric vehicle might be a good consideration. You don't have to buy any gas, that's for sure. But, and you know, then you get some tax credits, get the price down. I would not buy one. I would lease it if you're going to get one. And they have come out with some attractive leases. So that is an option. Hey, how about this? Miss a loan payment? Your car will shut down. Yeah, there's this new technology that Ford Motor Company just received a patent for that will shut down a vehicle's power or it will turn off selected features if they want to. Hmm. So they could actually shut off. It says here they could shut off your air conditioning, uh, your radio, your cruise control, your remote key fobs or other systems for whatever reason they want to. Let's say that you have a safety recall and Ford has determined that... This is a deadly thing. Your steering can lock up, and you you need to park your car and not, not move it. Once they determine that it is stationary, they'll just make it so it won't start, no matter what you do. I don't like that. Uh, that sounds too much like Big Brother in control. So just imagine you're late on your car payment, and you go out and you start your car. It's 98 degrees outside. Turn on your air conditioning, and it doesn't work. You have no air conditioning. And then not too long after that, you get an email from Ford, and it says, hey, you missing something? Getting kind of hot in that car? Well, make your last two payments, and we'll turn your air conditioning back on, and you can be cool again. I would be upset about that, but that's one of the things they're talking about doing. This should be illegal. Now, granted, people should make their car payments, but if they don't make their car payments, go repossess the car, don't turn off their air conditioning, or Make their power windows not work, or something like that. There was a, a, basically a device that you could put on buy here, pay here cars. People with really bad credit, they would put these, um, these devices on that would shut the car down, make it stop. I don't know if it would just stop in its tracks, but if they turned it off, it wouldn't start again until they made their payment. Now that's a little bit different, and I understand it, but but to just disable somebody's car features because they're they're late. 30 days. But this is the kind of thing that the automakers and the federal government even are going to be able to do. Yeah. I mean, used to, when you fired up your car, it wasn't connected to anything. You know, the, the only connection was your foot to the gas pedal and your hands on the steering wheel. But now the cars have internet connectivity. And so they can go, I mean, that goes both ways. I mean, you can go out and listen to your favorite podcast and the manufacturer can go in and download an update. I got an update the other day to my F-150. You know, I've I've got this little choice that I can make on my screen in my settings, and I, I can either allow or not allow uh, over-the-air updates, basically, whenever I'm in range. And it just it updates it, and then it tells me the next morning, hey, you've been updated. And that's okay, I guess. But, you know, I've got a drone, one of those uh, DJI drones you know what that is you know you can fly it around you got a controller and it has a camera on it i love that thing but when i found out that chinese government kind of controls dji at least there's a suspicion that they do every time they wanted to send me an update i just didn't download it i said okay i don't mind it being made in china but i don't want them you know seeing my grandkids when i'm taking pictures from 30 feet above So I don't know if that's the case, but I just don't download any updates because I've actually downloaded updates on things before before, like my iPhone or something like that. And then it stops working. Well, my drone was working fine and I really didn't want it screwed with. So, but the same thing with your, your vehicle. Now they have access to your car. So, and that access is not limited to just your infotainment system on some vehicles. In the future, it could be tied into pretty much everything from your cruise control, you know, to your air conditioning and all that stuff. So I'm a little bit concerned about that possibility, but we'll find a way to deal with it. Maybe there'll be some laws that will outlaw such a, such behavior. I was surprised that Ford got a patent on that. Like I say, I'm going to have to complain. Okay, I'm going to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. You know, I guess one thing you could do when you get a new car is just not sync your phone to it, and if it asks you if you want over-the-air updates, say no, and then unless they have some kind of a back door, you know, where they can get into your car regardless, I don't know. It's something worth considering. I don't want to sound like some type of conspiracy theorist here, but... It, it, it is getting a little intense, isn't it? Okay, something else I want to talk about today was I had a young customer come in here the other day, and they were trying to buy a car, and they'd been listening to a lot of our competition's advertising with all these big promises. No credit application refused. Uh, we'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe. Get up to $10,000 over book value for your trade. All of that sounds really good, doesn't it? And unfortunately, uh, most of those statements are, well, all of those statements are legal in this state and in most states in the United States, but they are deceptive. Would you agree? No credit application refused. What does that mean? Well, it just means that if you fill out a credit application and hand it to them, they'll take it. And then they'll submit it to the financial institution of your choice and see if you can get your credit approved. Doesn't mean you're approved, but a lot of people do think that that means, okay, oh, so I can go and buy a car. Last place I went to, they said my credit was awful and I couldn't buy anything. But these guys are different. Well, they're not. They're calling it into the same place, and you'll get the same rejection. What about that thing? Well, we'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe. What does that mean? Well, they said they'd pay off my trade, and it was no problem. Well, it's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. But if you owe $30,000 on your trade-in that's only worth $20,000, then you have $10,000 worth of negative equity that is not going away. That negative balance will be carried over to your new car loan, which will immediately make your payment go up considerably. Because that negative balance is your responsibility. Now, uh, do you have to write a check to the, uh, to the bank where it's financed? No. The dealership will do that. That's what they mean. They'll pay off your trade no matter how much you owe, but then they'll just take your negative equity and add it to your other contract, which makes your payment go up. People just can't do math anymore, and you try to explain that to some folks and their eyes just cross. Wait a minute. I'm trading a car. Why should I have to pay it off? That's your responsibility. No, it's not. It's yours. So that's very deceptive. What about the other one? We'll pay you up to $8,000 or $10,000 over book value for your trade. Well, the key phrase there is up to. So up to means that you're not going to get that. Nobody gets it. Uh, Especially, well, at least during the pandemic when everything was trading at close to MSRP or maybe over. Uh, now, there's a lot more pressure on dealers to discount than there was. There's, transaction prices are still high in a lot of cases, but there's there's some rebates trickling into the system and some low-rate financing. You know, we talked earlier about uh, how people are having to pay, I don't know, 13 to 18% interest on cars. Uh, but if you qualify for one of these subvened rates, which would be like a rate from Ford Credit or Toyota—well, Toyota Credit isn't going to have anything—but like Nissan or uh, Stellantis or Chevrolet, they may have 3.9 percent financing. That's real. That's real financing. How they do that? How are they able to offer 3.9 when the average customer is paying 7.9 or 8.9? It's because it's basically the manufacturer of the vehicle. Chevrolet for example is paying the their financing arm to reduce the rate. They're buying down the rate with cash. So, I mean the going rate is what the going rate is. And they have to pay it as well. They're just taking some money off or taking some margin out of the car that they're selling to you and applying that to, to the finance company so that they can offer you that low rate. But does that make the car cost more? No. They're just taking it out of their profit. It's, it's a part of their cost of doing business. They say, we're going to sell these things. Then we're going to have to offer, offer better rates because people want lower rates. Why don't you just discount the cars? Because low rates are attractive to people from a marketing standpoint. Zero percent financing sounds really good. And is it a real zero? Yes, it is. Now, they're doing that in lieu of offering like a six dollars or $7,000 rebate. They're giving you 0% financing. Which would you rather have? Well, if you're a cash buyer, you'd rather have the, uh, the big discount. But most people are not cash buyers. Most people are payment buyers. And so the low rate makes a bigger difference for them, doesn't it? Okay. So the trade-in thing, though, is a hoax, basically. I mean, they're using that as a hook to bring you in. And then they look at your vehicle, and they come back and say, well, your vehicle's worth $10,000. Well, wait a minute. I thought you, the book value, I looked it up the other night on KBB, and it was ten five. Yeah, well, we're going to have to recondition your vehicle, and uh, we can't pay you $10,000 over book value for it because it just needs too much or the market isn't as good. Or we have this vehicle is one of our already discounted vehicles, and if you read the fine print on the ad, it said it does not apply to vehicle to sell price vehicles. Well, that's deceptive. Well, yeah, but do you want the car? We can get it for you for four fifty a month. Yeah, I guess. Just remember this: the person who buys a car based on the monthly payment alone has no clue what they're paying for the car. And yes, monthly payment matters. You've got to be able to make your car payment, your house payment, you know, your credit card payments, and all that. Your insurance payment. There's so many different payments that people have to make. And you know, they go into a purchase with a car dealer thinking, okay, well, I can't spend more than 350 and they leave at 450 or 480 and then they forgot to check on their, their insurance, and it's going to go up. And then over time, it's just a downward spiral as they can't make payments, and they start being late, and then they end up getting the car repossessed, or they go trade it for something cheaper, and they trade it for a cheaper monthly payment, not a cheaper car, and they end up you know, getting even more upside down. And then there's the end of the road and they let the car go back and then the creditors come after them and then they file bankruptcy and then their credit is shot for seven years and they end up paying ridiculous rates, 25 plus percent, to get a buy-here-pay-here car that runs half the time. This is what happens when, when people buy cars based on the monthly payment alone. doesn't always happen that way. They don't all end up that way, but a lot of them do, and that's because that's the way they manage their personal finances. They don't manage it. They let somebody else manage it, you know, by taking advantage of them. Okay, I'm going to take my last break. I'll be back here in just one minute. Who needs to hear this podcast? You know, if you know somebody that does, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Amazon Podcasts and you can find it under my car guru podcast and you can share it with somebody who is being irresponsible or you know a young car buyer who's you know thinking about going out and getting a new car or getting a used car and starting their their credit journey you just need to start out good you know and and finish Uh, Otherwise, you're going to end up paying ridiculous interest rates. You're going to lose a lot of money. You're never going to really achieve what you're trying to achieve because you're not really paying attention to the important things. And this is uh, something that is preventable, right? I mean, if you don't have a, a good, dependable job and you don't have adequate income, then don't saddle yourself with a huge car payment. You know, buy something used first and and work your way up. And when you get a better job, you have more income, you can afford a higher payment. Just too many people want to take the leap and, you know, spread their wings and take the leap before anybody has shown them how to fly. And unfortunately, they don't teach that in school. And a lot of parents are terrible examples because they've managed their finances in a very poor manner. But it, it, it's not rocket science. It just needs somebody who can guide them a little bit. And if you want to share this podcast with somebody, do it, because I think that's important. Or have them call me. I'll give them the lecture. 423 552 2020. You can email me at Lenny Lawson 2020 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.